It's The Right Hook with George Hook on Tuesday. Time for travel. Well, when I last spoke to Moncom again, he was trudging around the fastnesses of uh, Westmead in his gumboots canvassing. But uh, Roisin Finlay is with me, the editor of uh, Outsider magazine. Uh, And Roisin, last week you were with us talking about Ireland. But as is our policy, you've gone international. So where have you gone? Uh, I was in Vietnam recently. Were you? On yes, holidays? on holidays. And okay. uh, it was fantastic. Uh, the polar opposite of what the weather is like today in Ireland. Okay. Um, it was dry. We had one little rain shower, which apparently was freak for the time of year. Um, and it was roasting hot. Okay. Now, the thing about Vietnam was that primarily, uh, probably one of the most unpopular wars in history, um, the the whole issue of, of uh, being divided, all that kind of thing. There is a huge market. And I wonder, like, if I went, and I'd go for a different reason, I'd spend the entire time looking at the former war. I'd be going to museums because you can climb down the tunnels and do all that sort of stuff. You didn't do any of that. That wouldn't be your bag, I did, actually. We went to see the Coochie Tunnels, which are two hours north, uh, west of Saigon. Um, It's a very unsettling experience. Um, It's... Fascinating. I mean, you you're brought out into the jungle, um, and by jungle, it's it's quite tame jungle. It was presumably yes. bombed so heavily that a yeah. lot of these trees have just sort of with Agent back. Orange and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So basically, you're walking through the jungle with your guide, and you, you stop under a tree, and he's like, "Can you see anything?" And you're like, "No." And then he pulls up, he moves a few leaves aside, pulls up a little hatch, and there's a tunnel. And there's a tunnel, and the, the size of the hatch is about the size of a large book. The problem, if I went, I'd probably have difficulty getting into the tunnel because the Vietnamese people would be smaller and slimmer. Yeah, so they, they, but they lived underground. They effectively. did. A lot of them lived underground, or they came in and out, depending on whether there was bombardments. So, for the tourists, they have actually enlarged some tunnels so that you can go through them. Um, now that that little hatch that they showed us, it was kind of the right size. But you found it upsetting. Very upsetting. I mean, very upsetting from the Vietnamese point of view, because it's very difficult to understand what the Americans were doing in Asia. But you also find yourself putting your shoes and yourself in the shoes of American soldiers and picturing these very young guys going through the jungle and they were sitting ducks. Yeah, You know, they couldn't see what was coming at them. Now, the thing about going on holiday to Asia... Um, and and my, my, my holiday in Asia is quite limited, in fact, limited um, to Thailand. And, and one of the things Ingrid found very difficult, more than me, was the poverty. Now, that still exists, presumably, in large order in Vietnam. It does. Um, Saigon and the South region is probably not as poor as the North. I wasn't up North, but there's still a division between North and South, even though it doesn't exist officially. Um, So the part that was communist is much poorer. Right. Um, So weirdly, if you're looking for that kind of vision of Asia where everybody's on their bike and it's much quieter, you'll probably get that more up North. But Um, is Saigon full of bikes and tuk-tuks and all those kind of... A single tuk-tuk, there are none, which really? was a complete shock to me. Right, um, a tuk-tuk is just for people who who don't know, is essentially a rickshaw, but it's a it's a, got a scooter pulling it rather than a person. Yeah, and so they're no amazing. Tuk-tuks. No tuk-tuks. Everybody is on a moped. There's barely a bicycle to be seen as well. You'll all see mopeds. All mopeds. It's like a moped rally all permanently. Twenty-four-seven right. traffic jam. Twenty-four-seven, but it's it's 
when you're describing that, it makes it sound so awful. But at the same time, so <laughs> when you're trying to cross a road, there there really are no rules of the road. You'll see mopeds on the path. You'll see mopeds, like hundreds and hundreds of mopeds. When it comes to crossing the road, you just serenely go out and walk and everybody avoids you miraculously. And it's the strangest thing to get your head around, but it, it becomes kind of good fun. Now, you're recommending we all go there and risk our lives crossing the road with a million mopeds. Why do you go? I mean, you know, do people go there because they want beach holidays, for argument's sake? Because if you go to Thailand, you've got a vast array of beaches if you want to do it to get away from Bangkok. Yeah. Is it the same Vietnam it's, to get away similar. from Saigon? It's similar. You'd, I mean, what I would recommend is go to Saigon for three or four days, enjoy the culture shock, be overwhelmed by it, eat all the food you can. The food in the city is amazing on the streets. Um, whereas once you get into the tourist destinations, they will start dumbing down the food for you. They'll put less chilli in. They make it safer for you. Um, but yes, Vietnam does have some absolutely beautiful beaches as well. And Bec- they want to compete with Thailand. That's okay. their aim. Because Vietnamese food, um, like it, it's sort of of the Chinese genre, obviously, in terms of food, but it's very different. And I really like Vietnamese food. Now, Again, this is generational. Like you're, you're the editor of Outside Magazine, like which is the Backpackers Bible. So you're perfectly happy to be chewing stuff in the street, in which a conservative like me would be terrified. I need to be in the Hilton, uh, where there's a buffet laid out for me. You well, know what you I mean? Can, you can have both in, yes, in Saigon. You, can, you yeah. really can have both. And I mean, I suppose that's something that Vietnam really caters to the backpacker right through to the luxury traveller now. Um, but I would urge even people who want to stay in the Hilton, try the street food. Okay, You'll be Fine. surprised. I mean, it's delicious. And also, you, you can be quite reassured. You can see them cooking it fresh on the spot. All right. You see ice being delivered all of the time. That's one of the things, you know, the ice man seems to be but one the of the ice most... man imp- cometh. Yeah. Exactly. And he's delivering his ice everywhere. So you can trust the drinks. All right. What, what about getting there? I mean, presumably, is it the, you, 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 there's obviously Heathrow, but Frankfurt uh, and, and, um, the, the, uh, KLM's hub, whatever you used to call Amsterdam. it. Amsterdam. Yeah. Are probably the main gateways. Are yeah, they? or you can go through the Middle East. Oh, uh, with Etihad or, or, uh, Emirates. Yeah, and that's the way we went. We went with, Etihad, but you can go through Dubai and with Emirates as well. They're, they're very, because similar. Emirates now have two flights a day, I know which is astonishing, the number of people who are going on Emirates twice a day, Dubai, and then further on. But that opens up the whole Middle East for you, and you don't have to go through the horrific um, feeling of going through Heathrow. Yeah, and it, major it breaks up the flight as well. I mean, I guess you can you can decide whether you want to have two hours and 14 hours or, you know... Two sevens. Two sevens. I prefer two sevens. Yes, I think um, most people would. Yeah. And they... Also, the, the the Middle Eastern airlines are fantastic. They kind of, they wait for your flight. So if you're flying into Dubai, they pretty much wait for you unless your flight is really delayed, but they'll rush you through the airport and get you on. So right, okay. you can have literally a gap of an hour and a half or an hour. The, the um, sounds expensive though, flying to Vietnam. Um, it's not that much more expensive than Thailand. It's a little bit. It was, it, you'll get flights for between 700 and 1,000. Okay. So it's it's not cheap, but... When you get there, it's extremely cheap. I guess, yeah. Yeah, maybe not as cheap as people might have okay. imagined. But I mean, but we would still see Vietnam as a, a you know, a third world nation. So we'd expect it to be cheap, wouldn't yeah. we? Well, certainly when it comes to eating and accommodation, you can pay anything for your accommodation. There are a lot of really flash resorts and hotels now. 
and actually Fukok, which is the island that we visited, which is about an hour's flight from Fukok. Saigon. Fukok. Yeah. Um, it's the biggest island off Vietnam and it was fairly untouched by the war because they had a big prison on it. Um, so not very nice history, but it meant that the the forests and... Are still pristine and, the and nature, virgin in that sense. Yeah, okay. now it's changing rapidly. Basically, Vietnam's government has decided they want to turn it into Phuket. Um, so oh, right. they are, but they're, they're they're very much aiming for the five star market. But it hasn't happened quite yet. Now, given this was a country um, which was at war for so long, um, when you go to Thailand, I must say you have an incredible for such a big city, a teeming city like Bangkok, you have a great sense of safety. Is Vietnam the same? I felt a hundred percent safe yeah. all of the time. I know, and probably safer than than Thailand. I suppose because Thailand in certain places has quite a seedy element. Yeah. Um, and Vietnam isn't seedy. Not to the same level at all. I mean, I'd say if you go looking, you'll find well, seediness. It, yeah. But Even in Ireland, Catholic Ireland, you'll yeah, find seedy. But you don't yeah. see the sort of seedy stuff that you see in oh, Thailand. I, extraordinary, of course, because during the war, um, with the huge number of American soldiers, it was incredibly seedy. So yeah. it, it's a major cultural change for Vietnam. Like, I remember going um, to Sri Lanka and I used to wake up in the morning and I used to say the same thing every day, not another bloody Buddhist temple. Now, don't tell me if I go to Vietnam, I have to go to temples, do I? Actually, it's quite hard to find temples in Vietnam. Oh, is it? Now, I mean, this may be different in the other places that haven't developed so quickly, but Saigon is booming. It's grown from... 4 million people in 2000 to 9 million people now. So what do you do in Saigon? A lot of what I would have done in Saigon was absorb the atmosphere. Right, walking around. Walking around, eating street food, watching what they transport on mopeds. I mean, you see everything. You see, you know, whole, you know, people with armchairs on mopeds. A complete family travelling on a moped. Always complete families. Big, huge sheets of glass. uh, Grannies with their Zimmer frames. I mean, it's incredible. And it's... Even though it's such a busy, chaotic city, it's also quite mellow. Like, the people are very nice. You never see anybody arguing or... There's beeping, but the beeping is more, I'm coming, oh, you know, yeah. as opposed to, get out of my way. One of the things um, about these kind of holidays, which I'm always in awe of, people like you and Monko and everything, you kind of do this quite independently. You kind of just go there and then you trust that everything's going to be all right. Whereas if I, and I think it's fair of my generation, if we haven't got the whole thing mapped out for us, like where we're staying, where we're going, then we're terrified. Um, Did you do it sort of semi-independently? Yeah, we did a bit of both, actually. Um, We did it independently for Saigon, and then we knew we'd want to get out of Saigon at some point because it would become too much for us. And we wanted to do a bit of cycling around the countryside, um, because I think it's a lovely way. It's very slow sure. and you get to see people and meet people. So we were hoping to cycle around the Mekong and it's the Mekong Delta is just south of, Saig- of Saigon. In fact, Saigon is part of it. But it's this massive area where the Mekong goes through and it all splits up into these tiny canals and rivers and tributaries. So it's it's a delta, basically. And you cycled through all And them. we cycled. So oh, right. it's it's a warren of these paths that go through all the villages and over the rivers but, and around. But you were just two. Well, we joined a group to do that because we, we felt because we were only there for... There's a sort of cycling group that you yeah. can get involved in. Yeah. And right. we did that with a company called Sing- Simbalo. And they were fantastic. And, and they do cycle tours. How did you tours. find them? 
they were excellent. They were really, really good. And where good. did you find them? We found them actually over there, but they All have right. a huge presence online um, as well. Simbalo or Simbalo? S-I-N-B-H-A-L-O. All right. And they do cycling tours all over Vietnam. Um, but it's it it would have been, we could have gone cycling around the, the Mekong on our own, but we definitely would have been lost most of the time. All right. Did you do any other organised stuff that people listening might want to look at? When we at? went to the Coochie Tunnels, we went on an organised tour. So we just took a bus tour out of Saigon. Okay. Um, and other than that, no. But we you went to this <clears throat> island. Remind me the name of it? Fukok. And on Fukuoka, you lay on the beach and We did, did a all little bit stuff. of lying on the beach. We stayed in um, a beautiful place called Bamboo. It was up north of the main town. The main town is called uh, Duong Dong. Um, and the, the beachy area there is called Long Beach. We stayed there for a night. It was lovely, but it was quite busy and touristy and we wanted to kind of get away from it all at that but stage. But can you get away from it then? Absolutely. We went to this place called Bamboo, which was up on, um, just kind of up the west coast, about an hour or so north. Um, and it was a little small eco resort with ten or fifteen rooms right on the beach. But how did you find this then? We've For just found that... it online. Right. We we, we searched but, but online. You, you searched online in in Ireland. In Ireland. Before... Yeah. So how do you do this? See, I've never done this. Right. Like there's a ton of people listening who who just go to trail finders or or. Uh, you know, American holidays or uh, whoever, tropical places or whoever the heck it is. Um, you do it much more independently and I'd be really interested. What do you do? You you, you go online, you put in holidays guess, in Vietnam. I mean, what do yeah, you look we'd for? Yeah, we probably start with, you know, where the, like, we're, we're realistic. So we were going to Saigon. We were flying in there. I'd love to have gone to Ho Chi Minh or to... Um, Oh, to, to go right up north yeah. but to Hanoi and around there but we were realistic we had two weeks and okay. I'm I'm always very determined not to do too much but you can get like I mean you trust the internet yeah and you if you read enough reviews on TripAdvisor or any of these you, you get a sense of do you yeah see, see my old pal Eugene McGee who brought me all around the world and in fact you did this programme when it very first started this segment all of 14 years ago but like I'd go to Eugene and, and Eugene would say to me, you know, here's where you go and here's a hotel and here's your airline tickets and and I'm still of that. Yeah, mode. I mean, I guess you have to, I mean, you have to let go of a bit of control if you want to go and play it by ear a little bit and you have to accept some days will go horribly wrong. But they are often the days that you have the most interesting experiences. Right. But but when you go online then and you go to this island and you find bamboo and so on, you are relying on the internet, you sure. know. Whereas I like I'm still a huge travel agent person because very often the person in the travel agent says, Well, I was there and let me tell you. Yeah, and I don't think now, there's anything wrong with that. Your generation has completely turned that in its head. And actually you know, when I first went backpacking, we wouldn't have booked anything in advance. We would have been booking a day in advance or yeah. arriving in a town and wandering but around. But you can still do that. Well, we don't so much anymore because now, because of the internet and because everybody has internet access as they and travel, outside places are booked out. And outside magazine. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Yeah. 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 So so places are booked out very often. Where they you can want. be. But, you know, as we've discovered, sometimes you, you book a place online and when you get there the place next door is nicer. All but right. I don't think your travel agent would have known that. Okay. Now you're going to, to Vietnam, fly to Saigon, spend a bit of time in Saigon, and in your case then, you spend the balance of time on, on an island. Well, we spent about four or five days in, in Saigon. We spent about three or four days cycling, and then we spent about five days, I think it was, on the island. 
Well, did you prepare for cycling? Did you did you practice for cycling back in Ireland? Going I, I up practiced by hills and no. down dales. <laughs> I practiced by cycling to work every day, but it was it's very flat in the Mekong. So your your challenge is the heat, but actually the nature of the Mekong is really lovely for okay. cycling. What the mm. challenge is the heat? What yeah. how big a challenge is that? Well, it's it's thirty plus every day in the south. With very high humidity. With high humidity, it? but the Mekong is extremely green and a lot of the routes are through the they're completely shaded over by trees and you know you're beside the water and it's so it's gorgeous. Vietnam's a big plus for you then. I mean this is a place you'd give a you'd you'd give a big recommendation to. This is a kind of four star recommendation. Isn't well it? it is from an interest point of view. I mean there's places I've preferred because they probably fitted my fantasy of Asia more. Um but what's fascinating about Vietnam is you're watching a an underdeveloped country hit development and see how it's changing. It's not all positive. Um, on Phu Quoc, you'd be very worried about, you know, is the whole island going to be covered in five-star resorts? Are they going to lose the magic of the jungle and the jungle well, sweeping down to, onto the yeah, beach? I have to tell you, once upon a time, the Algarve was like that and there weren't any high-rise apartments and there were only three golf courses. And, I know. You know. And which is better? Yeah, well, you yeah. Know, but 46 years ago, when I first went to the Algarve, um, it, it was a good bit. I remember saying, this is like West Cork in 1950. That was the Algarve. Yeah. And you go to the Algarve today, and it's a totally different experience. And you can see why the Vietnamese government is, I mean, they're mostly targeting the Chinese dollar. All right. Um, but And you can see why they are. Currency is called the dong, isn't it? The, the dong, yeah. Yes. And it's extremely confusing because it's. It's a euro to 25,000 dong. <laughs> so you do find yourself constantly trying to do the maths and going, how All much right. was it again? How much? Yes. But, There's a great uh, quiz question. What does a Vietnamese do with his dong? That's very Which rude, co- George. <laughs> Spends it is the answer. <laughs> All right. It's Tuesday Travel with Roshin Finlay, editor of Outsider magazine. Be back next week with another story of a place for you to go.